when people do visit, uh, one I kind of often go into a story, a childhood story, that's related to how I started in the work that I'm doing and the stories that uh, I'm telling. And these Sunday sessions have given me a chance to actually expand on those a little bit, which I'm delighted to do because when people are here, I've got to get it over and done with. It's usually announcing a poem or something like that. But uh, as you might know, I was at school, at primary school, I was quite a rebel against reading. And I got an addiction to a ord local ordnance survey map. And I'd only just learned to ride a two-wheeler, the stabilizers hadn't long gone. And I used to venture off. I knew how to use a compass. I learned how to use a compass, how to use the map. And I was bold. I venture off in this little uh, bike. And if adults knew where I went, they would be horrified. It certainly wouldn't get away with it today. But uh, I was looking for stone circles, holy wells, cairns. And uh, there was one, uh, when I turned up at these places, they were often on farmlands. And I would call, I'd be polite, I'd call at the farm and ask permission. And, oh, what do you want to see those old stones for? And I'd often invent a fairy story for Beltany time, for May time. Uh, just to get a foot in, because I was really interested in the stories for these, not the archaeology. Certainly not as a wee kid. I did, probably didn't even know what archaeology was, let alone spell it. But this one I knew actually had a May association, a Belfness association. So I, I went off to cycle towards this one. And uh, this was during my early Yorkshire years in West Riding between... Uh, Belden and Ilkley and there is a stone circle near Ilkley the Twelve Apostles that's quite famous so the one I was heading for was actually not far away from there uh, and so I cycled away and uh, I recognized from the map where the actual farm entrance was and beside the farm entrance uh, there was a church and the church wasn't used it looked if it hadn't been used for a long time it still had the old wooden door, oak or ash or whatever it was, and above the door the little bell tower, and it looked—it was very rusty bell and looked as if it hadn't been rung for a hundred years. It was obviously a church that people had ignored for a long time. There were people milling around, very interested uh, in the church, in the gravestones, but it looked as if they travelled in from far distances uh, to visit this church. And I didn't want to disturb them and I didn't want to even get close to them. There was no gate uh, on the churchyard. There were a few gravestones. So I just sort of sat inside and pondering. It was a lovely day, it was like this. And I was looking over to the horizon and the horizon was actually quite similar to the view that I'm actually looking here. There was the rolling hills and there were wooden coppices, spinneys, and there were like snaky kind of rows of trees that obviously followed, followed the brook or the burn. But the fascination to me at that time was the horizon. You could see horizon. Oh, what's beyond the horizon anyway? I was looking to where the sun was probably setting, so I had to wonder about where the sunset went. And then I suddenly thought, well, I'm actually dawdling this afternoon away if I don't get going I'm not going to be able to see this stone circle anyway the track to the farm was next to this church and I started going up it and it was almost like the bell on the church 
as if it hadn't been travelled on for a hundred years. And as I went along it, uh, there were wildflowers and there were trees each side and they had blossoms on them. And as I was going up this track, the trees seemed to get bigger and the amount of blossoms on them were quite a bit bigger. Uh, there was more of them. And I was seeing all these yellow flowers on the sides. There was, there was one or two cowslips. There was certainly plenty of primroses. And there was lots of dandelions. And I got some dandelions here. And there we have a cowslip here because around here the cowslips are actually much more, uh, uh, they're very abundant, much more than the primroses. So I started picking these and I started putting them into the saddlebag on my because my little bicycle actually had a saddlebag and went up to the lane and just before I got to the farmhouse these trees were really big with the blossom on and the, as they were getting bigger there was much more fragrance and I was really mesmerized almost enchanted by the fragrance of these uh, white flowers anyway I got to the door of the farmhouse I knocked on the door and as usual it's always the farmer's wife and but and there's always as usual I could barely say a word oh goes runs off gets the farmer farmer comes to the door very tall of course me little boy every farmer every man looks very tall uh, he didn't have a hat on you expect farmers to have a hat on but he had kind of straight he had a short back and sides but the top bit was sort of hair that sort of came down the side sort of thing and he had a leather jacket brown leather jacket on and the the sleeves were a bit ripped um and he had suit trousers on and uh, i was the thing i was thinking of uh, doesn't look like he used those suit trousers for a wedding or a funeral for a long time and he had a white shirt and the white shirt well it wasn't exactly white anymore anyway and he was propping himself up with a stick and they actually had a a bit of a ram's horn on it but I don't know what the wood of the stick was and I said that I've come to see the uh, May Circle and he knew exactly what he meant and I didn't really have to do much explaining he did come out with the grumpy stuff or oh, I don't see why you want to see a bunch of old stones but you had a bit of that but this time he offered to take me because obviously he thought well what's this little squeak doing on the farm I better be cautious so he kind of went with me and uh, I started picking more of the flowers because there was yellow flowers. I just loved yellow. And there were mainly dandelions and even around here mainly dandelions. And as I was picking at them, he was looking at me and I thought, oh, perhaps he thinks he's odd, a little boy actually picking flowers. Up until that point, he'd been telling me a few stories and they were all melancholy stories about people in his family that had died and it was melancholy of the things that he missed. But he reached over when I had the bunch of flowers and he started touching the petals and he, he started smiling and he said, they're, pre they're pretty, aren't they? Of course they're pretty. Uh, but right then, his stories, the mood of his stories changed. He started bringing the fairies in at that point, so there were fairy stories. And they were kind of bright, cheery stories telling of good deeds that people did. And as we got uh, closer uh, to the circle, he turned round to me and he uh, kind of was looking uh, a little puzzled because one thing I asked was, do you have any stories about yellow flowers? And he looked and he said, well, 
I suppose you are here to ask lots of questions. Let me tell you now, there's no answers. There's no answers. Questions never have any answers. He just going on, he said, it was a waste of time actually looking for answers. You know, he says, beginnings, they have ends. Ends, they have beginnings. Just look over in the yonder there. And of course, I've been doing that at the church. Look at the yonder there, as far as we can see onto the horizon. And that's what we can see. But there may be some people like us on the horizon. And they're looking further over onto the other horizon. And he thought, yeah, okay. And he was giving me a lot of uh, this philosophy. And he said, you know, questions, again, he went on, he said, questions are a waste of time. You know, every person we meet, every animal that passes by, every bird that twitters over is part of our life. And it remains part of our life. And so the question that I was in my mind, and I didn't dare ask him, well, what's, what's you in my life then? What important part of you in my life? Anyway, obviously I couldn't take that much further. Anyway, we got to the stones, the stone circle, the bel that had the Belfney fairy story, which I won't actually go into, otherwise I'll be going on forever. But right by this uh, stone circle was one of these trees that had the white blossoms, and this one was enormous. And I was more interested in that than the actual circle. I was staring at that, and my guide there, oh, he actually had these big sort of glasses, big round glasses that were thick. <laughs> anyway, he sort of looked and he said, that's the fairy tree. And that's what he said. Just, that's the fairy tree. And it was him that wandered off to the stone circle. And that, most of the stones were actually fallen. Nobody had come along, archaeologists, nobody had tried to prop them up to try and form a circle. It was just, a, most of it was a pile of fallen stones. But I was intrigued more by this tree. There was something that drew me to it, whilst the, the, the farmer man himself, he was drawn to the stones. And he was wandering quietly. And it was actually starting to get late, because uh, I had left it late, and it was probably around tea time by now. There was that primrose you get from the sun when it gets into the evening. But he didn't seem to mind, he, di he didn't seem to be rushed, he didn't seem to be hungry and needing back to the tree. But around this big tree, a lot of the blossoms had already fallen. And there was a whole different fragrance. It, it kind of was sort of a musty and it kind of reminded me a bit of the melancholy stories that the farmer had told me as we were approaching to there. Anyway, I sat down and I had my little bunch of... Uh, dandelions. I took one out of my bunch and I placed it there because I felt sorry for these blossoms that didn't have the fragrance they had before. So I felt it was quite important to leave them there. And the farmer, I had a quick look at the stone circle and the farmer said, oh, he says, actually, I, I'm sorry, but I've got, we've got to go now. I've got to get back. But he said, there's going to be a time that I come back here and I won't be leaving. I kind of looked what that meant. But I, again, didn't ask questions <laughs> and he sort of reminded me uh, on the way back we walked back so all he talked about it was you know questions 
There's never any answers, it's just a waste of time. What is nice is to allow those questions to be your life. That's what creates our life, is all those questions. And we were just getting to the farmhouse, and the one thing he did say to me, he says, he says, after today, he says, you're only a wee little boy. He says, it won't be long before you'll actually forget where you've been here. You'll forget me. And uh, the only memory you'll have is of the emotions and what you felt on that day. That's all. That will sometimes come up, he says, the feelings and the emotions. The details will be gone. You'll forget all the details. But, he said... There's no harm in actually making up some details and putting around the motion and making a story out of it. So we got to the house, we said our farewells, and because it was downhill, I could actually ride my bike down, and it was starting to get a wee bit dark. And when I got home, it was getting very dark, so I had some explaining to do. What the heck was I doing on my bike out this late, not coming back for tea and so forth? But I had these bunch of yellow flowers, posies as they tend to be called today. And so I handed this over. And of course, when people look at the yellow flowers, all the sort of anger and all the sort of discipline that was going to be enforced on me just washed away. So I got away with it that time. And the one thought I, I had for a while after that, I still have that thought, is that... It's the one dandelion and its lovely yellow petals by this big tree with the blossoms that have fallen of eventually these petals losing the yellow colour, fading away, separating from the stem and becoming part of the ground and becoming part of the tree. But even so, what reminds me is when I do pick some yellow flowers, I still have that memory, I still have that emotion of the smiling that happens when you look at yellow flowers. So that's the imagery of Belson I'd like to share with you, is the yellow flowers. Very important, a lot of people find the yellow flowers a symbolism of the summers here. It's the transition from the spring to the summer. And who here doesn't smile when they see yellow flowers. Yellow's my favorite color, so I'm, I'm kind of biased. So here we have what some people call posy. I'll be talking a bit more about this. And posy is quite a modern name. I think it came uh, in the 19th century, so I'll talk about that one a bit later. Well, I'll move on to uh, one thing that people did this year on the 1st. We had a very dewy morning. It was almost frost, but there was this thick dew. And I've been hearing several people have been rolling in the dew, and there's that tradition of rolling in the dew to cleanse ourselves, heal ourselves, and I suppose especially at this time, people are doing anything they can to protect themselves. So there is that tradition of rolling in the dew, which to me is quite similar to perhaps the behavior people do when they go to holy wells the cleansing, the healing, and of course the holy water and the, the breed brat at uh, Imbolc uh, has a similar thing, but with the breed brat the water, the dew on the uh, cloak is actually drained and kept uh, in screwed up bottles for healing for the year. This is really spontaneous, on the spot, rolling in the dew. 
Some people do it naked, of course, but that doesn't come into mention. There is a connection to that, and I talked in the story about the tree with the blossoms, the fragrant blossoms, which I'm sure you've identified now is Hawthorn. And these days we celebrate the Belthony, the May Day, on May the 1st, all thanks to Pope Gregory in 1582 coming out with his calendar and everybody adjusted their celebrations to this calendar. But the problem we have, a challenge we have on the May the 1st, 1st of May, is the Hawthorns are usually not out. Sometimes they are, but in most places they're not out yet. They're going to be a few days later, uh, maybe a week or two later. I've even known them to be the end of the month. So they're not out. So before Pope Gregory came up with this idea and people transferred to the idea of May the 1st, there was different dates and times for the Belfner. Uh, for the academics, the mathematics people, they follow the sidereal time, so they would follow the cross quarter, which is the exact midpoint uh, between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. And this year that happens to be the early morning on Tuesday coming up. But a lot of country folk, even way back then, they're not going to be mathematicians, they're not going to be educated. Well, they are educated because they're educated in the land, but they're not educated into this academic stuff. So I may, uh, better make a distinction there. And so they would look for something else with some localities. Perhaps they waited for the first full moon. But I think the one thing that's important, and I'll be talking why, uh, I'll be talking more about this actually next week uh, when we, I talk about fairies in May, uh, is it's when the hawthorn come into blossom. That is when I think local people decided that it was May time. But I'll move on from the Jew to the Holy Wells because that's very significant. And uh, at Imbolc, one of the traditions and it certainly has a tradition connected with Lazia, certainly the Bridget Wells as well, is that women, if in Imbolc, they were brought to the well, they would look for a vision uh, in the well and that would show who their mate was going to be that they were going to meet at this uh, Belthony time. They would look into the water and get an image of the person they were meeting. Well, if you miss that time, there's a few areas where if you go to the well, the Holy Well specific, if you've got a Lazier's well, and there's not many of them, uh, you're in luck because one, a lot of the traditions in some areas around Belthony are related to Lazier, the sheep shearing. Because whereas Bridge is associated with the cattle, Lazier is associated with sheep and shepherds. Uh, but uh, you go against the well on Belthony Eve on the 30th of April. You, some women have said they can see a vision of the mate that they're going to meet. There is a, a poem that I use uh, with this that nicked from Robin Williamson. He calls it Verses from Powers. He got it from William Blake, a variation. And, and William Blake, it said, picked this up from uh, Shanachie and Donegal and translated it. Because when you look into the well, there is an expectation of seeing the mate and it doesn't quite work that well. And uh, this is not one of mine, as I say, it's transitioned through various poets, but I think it really explains this well. 
Old women stare at her water. They do not see a face. Just days have gone by. And when young women stare at a water, they do not see a face, just some image of desire. Now if you stare into a water expecting no reflected dream, you will see your first love, because Lazier is a lover of the flowing earth and its four dancers. She says the light will always be brilliant to anyone who cherishes color, yellow flowers. I asked her, but what if there was no heaven? She says, touch my breast and see the green fields turn into blossoms. For her songs are all of love, lifelong. Into every green and blue yonder her glass harp rings as it ripples through her rivers. Our cherished sins we let go to float away voiceless. And when we do this, she will embrace us with blossom. She'll always forgive us and seal us with her blessing. So I say my farewell to hell and to heaven, both made in man's mind of fancy and fear. So I say my farewell to all that does not matter that's made in a coward's heart, such as asking questions, I suppose. All that we learn is listening to the birds singing, so all that we learn is about each day that she made you. In a lot of areas there's a tradition for the farmers to actually come out first thing in the morning on May Day, on May the 1st, and drink the water from the local well and get there before everybody else to cleanse them, bring their strength so they have the stamina for the farming work uh, for the summer ahead. Uh, all the way up to the harvest. But there are some places there's a combination with that tradition and cattle is a place called Shrone City, little tiny village uh, in Kerry and uh, there the, far is, the farmers would go to the well and then the cattle would drink from the well so the farmers are there to drink the clean well before the cattle is there. So there's some tradition where the cattle are allowed the one day a year to come and drink at the well and as in the case of Shrone City, the cattle then go on to pass between the two fires. And that's another association that people have for the Belthner time. Up in Yusnuk, uh, uh, the last five, six years, maybe longer, they've set up, rebrought the tradition of the Belthner fire up on the hill at Ushnuk there. And it's a very popular gathering. They can't do it this year, unfortunately. But there was little fires in different places. Some places it's a singular fire. What I'm more familiar with is having the two fires where the cattle actually run between the two because as well as the well, the water being cleansing and a kind of baptism uh, and bringing back life. So it's said about going through fire because even with uh, illness and viruses we go into a fever and there is a cleansing from heat uh, that's even with our food, uh, even with our utensils, people in the olden days with their iron pots, they would heat them up so that all the poisons would go away, it'd all be cleansed. So there's the whole association with the fire and the cleansing, but the Shrown cattle are lucky, they get the well uh, and the fire. I'd like to go on, move on to the next one here. <laughs> this is my 
this is my this is the may bush <laughs> and the may bush uh the, i've actually got some uh hawth this is hawthorn as you see it hasn't got any uh blossoms on it uh but the uh may bush uh well this hawthorn here is it's as a, a plant because i'm extending the hedge around the outside so this is one of the plants that's going to be planted in the hedge but by tradition people would have actually cut down a branch it's not always hawthorn, but I think it's more hawthorn by the tradition. And because there is no blossoms on them yet, uh, that uh, originally the yellow flowers, I've got the cowslips and the uh, dandelions here. So those, those will be put on them. And I've got some forget-me-nots. And when children do this, because it's very popular with the children and adults too, they will put ribbons. I don't have any ribbons. And funnily enough, I'm not that keen on the ribbons and I was a bit limited with time normally this would be flooded with flowers and it's just something that's nice and bright a lot of people today uh, approach it similar to a Christmas tree still a huge tradition down in Wexford um, and one of the stories I'm familiar with uh, is during the, going way back in the Tour de Donham uh, time uh, that uh, the third battle they had was against them the Sons of Mill, the Milesians, and that's, uh, it's in debate where that took part, but uh, to go through that story very quickly, uh, there was some kind of deal, trickery deal by the Tour de Donan with the invading Milesians, and more or less once they were evading, they more or less said, no, that's not fair, you're not, you've broken all the rules of combat, come on, let's do this again, and somehow they managed to trick them to go back out to sea and start all over again with their invasion, uh, because if they could get back in this time, then they had truly won the war. But uh, the wizards and the magicians, they whipped up the seas into fury so that these Milesians couldn't get in. And then we got the famous poem of Imogen, uh, who managed to, with his po uh, poem to calm the waters. They came ashore, there was the third battle where it was, um, a place called uh, Telty. Some people think it's uh, near Kell, some people think it's in Limerick. But uh, one of the uh, other stories says that when the Malaysians came ashore, the storm had daddy scattered them, so they came ashore in different uh, places. But as the Tour de Danon were approaching the Malaysians, it said that they came across a tree that had suddenly gone in f into flames and they stopped. Because to them, this was a tree that was very important, very magical to them. And so the Malaysians actually won the battle by this fiery tree. I doubt whether it was a hawthorn. It probably would have been something more precious like uh, a, an oak or an ash or even a big apple tree. And when we talk about the tree of life, it would have been something like that. But I feel this hawthorn tradition uh, kind of has some link to that to actually protect us by keeping it alive so by having uh, there is life here rather than having it uh, set fire um, i'm trying to keep it short so i won't go into that long but there is another more fascinating and i'm going to really continue this with the fairies in may next year but it said in some places when the children had made up their branch, their hawthorn branch, and was decorated, they would go into the village. They would go round. I don't think they actually did a penny for the guy. I don't think it was fundraising. 
Uh, but one of the things they were doing, it was almost a bit of a mating game. Uh, because the one thing that's important of May, it is a time of fertility. It is a time of creation, but it's a time of mating. And I, I'm convinced that the uh, spring break in the USA is also an attachment to uh, the tradition. So they, they would walk around one of these. They would actually have uh, a, it'd be a, a girl, a woman, a um, young woman uh, who hadn't had children uh, would go around uh, and showing people and showing them the bright yellow flowers. And they'll be singing that rhyme. Here we go gathering nuts in May, nuts in May, nuts in May. Here we go gathering nuts in May on, on cold frost in morning. Which in a way is a bit of a silly rhyme because where on earth are you going to get nuts in May? Well, it's the pronunciation of it. Because nuts is really, well, I always say it as nuts. But what I'm saying with nuts is K-N-O-T, a nut. Not, not, something like that, a nut. And this is a nut. And uh, it's an older word than, than uh, posy. And in fact, the actual tying of knots, of rope, I do believe comes from using the word, probably was of Saxon origin, I don't know, uh, for the tying up of flowers. So this is a nut of flowers. So it's gathering nuts of May on a cold, frosty morning. And the reason for the cold, frosty morning and often it's not frosty it's a dew morning so I'm sure they'll change the word to uh, on a cold dewy morning is without I was talking about these blossoms hanging from the May tree from the um, hawthorn tree you capture those uh, with the dew on them and you're carrying on them the warmth of the Sun brings out the fragrance uh, of these um, hawthorn blossoms and it's said that the fragrance of these blossoms would then lure they would tease the wombs of women and lure the lustiness you might have heard of the lustiness of May and so the whole point was uh, really uh, part of the whole mating game um, matchmaking uh, this was really a matchmaking tool and so as the rhyme went on so so really they're going in and uh, it's really, a, this is a replacement for this, but maybe we'll say this is the bush. And the sort of next rhyme is, well, who will take the nuts in May? Who will take the nuts in May? And the next verse is, and it's always a woman. Oh, Sinead, she'll take the nuts in May. <laughs> Sinead, she'll take some nuts in May from the cold, frosty morning. And then, of course, uh, and who will go with Sinead? with a nuts in May. Who will go with Sinead with a nuts in May? And uh, so it might be Patrick. <laughs> Patrick will go with Sinead uh, with a nuts in May. Patrick will go with a, with a uh, Sinead with a nuts in May. So off they go with a huge bunch of these hawthorn flowers. In fact, these are not so effective. Uh, maybe that's why <laughs> the church changed it the first get in before the lusty hawthorns. So I'm going to be talking more about that next week, uh, about the fairies of um, May, which I'll go into that story even further. But I got, I'm trying to rush along here because I've gone well over time again. And uh, so going on to the May Queen, that comes out of that because whoever is uh, the person carried, that really, I think, developed 
into the May Queen and the May Queen it's really uh, uh, an England and Wales tradition I don't think I've come across it uh, in Ireland there's some of it in Scotland but uh, the May Queen is a woman who supposedly never had a mate certainly never had children and she's representation uh, of the, the cleansing from the water from the fire but she's also representative of the fertility to come because right now we have all these buzzlies that have been pollinating the fruit and so fruit is going to form uh, through the summer ready for our harvest so all these are interlinked and that's where you got the May Queen and then um, from the May Queen we got the Maypole and the Maypole where does that come from? That seems to have come from an Anglo-Saxon tradition. Again, not seen much in Ireland, but uh, certainly uh, over the UK. And I think brought in from the Anglo-Saxons. Some people say it was the Romans, but the Romans, when they were building their empire, they kind of assimilated the cultures of the people they invaded. And I think down the Danube, that the Germanic traditions would have traveled and they would have incorporated that. But what is a maypole? Obviously it was a tree once upon a time. But what tree? It's, some say it resembles, it's supposed to represent a tree of life. Would it have been the oak? Would it have been an elm? Would it have been an ash? But would it have been an apple tree? Now considering where the origin came from, and apples is such huge in their wisdom and tradition, going right through to the um, wassailing uh, and the harvesting and what goes on. I'm inclined to think what happened originally was the eldest apple tree in an orchard had the branches stripped because the life was done. And uh, in medieval times they were well into grafting apple trees at that time. So maybe the branches from the old apple tree were used for grafting uh, onto young crabapple roots and these became the new young trees as I say I'm just speculating with this so you've got the remains of the pole of this old elder apple tree was that the original maypoles that people had a dance around and the ribbons came because it is a fertility dance all the same well, I, uh, I hope you've enjoyed that. I've gone on and on with that, and I'm going to continue more with the Hawthorns, a lot more with the fairies, uh, next Sunday, with the next Sunday session, where it's going to be uh, Fairies of May. So I hope you enjoyed this session. I'm going to look at your comments and answer in a moment. But meanwhile, oh, it's clouding over now, but enjoy your holiday time, and enjoy bathing in the sun, enjoy your gardens, enjoy watching the life, taking a moment to hear the birds, and watching the uh, the insects and the spiders run around, the ladybirds, the ladybugs. There's so much going on, so much wonder. And remember, don't ask questions. I mean, yes, do ask questions. Don't look for answers, but allow those questions to be something you can bathe in uh, in your life. So thank you for watching, and I hope I'll see you next week.